Now it is. See, an opportunity to analyze comes up there around here. But anyway, someone this week at my correspondence raised a question about identity. Uh, Christian is identity as a Christian. And uh, I was kind of pondering on how I wanted to answer that uh, when all this resurrection stuff started happening. Right? And it's possible. And so you can't help it. Whatever you think about these days, you think of in pasta terms. So I'll offer you some thoughts tonight because there are some interesting questions about identity that come up with Pascha. I'm going to move up here. Can't see half of you. And uh, there, that's Pascha. Indeed. So I won't step on you. I promise. So it's interesting. The appearances of Christ after he's raised from the dead have an interesting element about it. Well, one thing, one of the most striking things is, is people don't seem to quite recognize it. There's that first appearance recorded, and he appears uh, to Mary Magdalene uh, outside the tomb. Uh, and the angels had already told her when she looked in the tomb, why do you see the living among the dead? He's not here. And she looks around, and she sees what she thinks it says is the gardener. And, uh, but as it turns out, it's, it's Christ, of course, the resurrected Lord, but she said, where have you put him? Where have they taken the body away to? So she's apparently seeing him face to face. You don't get some idea that she's, he's just got his back turned to her and then turns around and surprises her. Uh, but she has a conversation, her half of which he answers simply by saying, Mary. And when he spoke her name, it says that she replied to him, Rabboni, which means uh, in Aramaic, my teacher. <clears throat> it's, it's, not just, it's not just teacher, but it's not just rabbi, Rabboni, my teacher. So she's, she's, there's something that takes place there. But it's interesting. She didn't get it at first. There had to be this encounter with which he spoke her name, Mary. Now, the most interesting one, the others are a little interesting, too. We get the one on Sunday coming up with St. Thomas, uh, who is just being stubbornly Thomas and saying, I won't believe it until I can put my fingers in his hands, you know, the nail prints, and thrust my hand in his side. And uh, Jesus appears to him and tells him to do that. Now, it's, it's, we don't get any indication whatsoever in the Gospels that Thomas actually does this. But in the hymns of the church, the fathers can't leave it alone. And the hymnographers of the church, they not only have him putting his hand, his fingers in that scarred hands, but, it, but they, they talk about him thrusting his hand into the fiery side of Christ. That's just one of my favorite, uh, favorite uh, the, the images in Pascha. So first off, is that not just, not just that there's a hole in his side, but there's a fire burning in there. Just, yeah, Thomas. How about that? He's going to touch some resurrection. Anyway, it's a great ending, but it's not what the gospel says. But we'll sing about it this Sunday, and y'all listen to that fiery side of Jesus uh, going on. Uh, but the most striking of all the post-resurrection appearances with this uh, is Christ's resurrected appearance to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Tradition tells us, that's recorded in Luke's gospel, tradition tells us that those two disciples are Luke, uh, and Cleopas, but that, again, is something tradition supplies. It's not in the gospel itself. 
but they're walking along. He comes up to them and says, what y'all talking about? Or something like that. Uh, I'm translating freely from the Greek. Um, <laughs> and they said, well, you know, where have you been? Haven't you heard? And da 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 da. They fill him in on the details in Jerusalem. And more, you know, they crucified him. And moreover, some women of our company said they saw him raised from the dead. And it said, and suddenly, and then he began uh, relating to them in the scriptures, from the scriptures, all the things concerning the Messiah that he should suffer and do these things and die and be raised from the dead. Lord, he, he gives them a running Bible commentary as they make their way along the seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Uh, he was just chatting with them. Uh, and then they they come to Emmaus and they're ready to stop for the night and they go in and they said, persuade him to go in and eat with him. Then it says something very interesting. It says, they sat down at a table and it said, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Those four verbs are used elsewhere uh, and used only in the case of the Eucharist. Jesus takes it, blesses, breaks, and gives it. And each of the accounts, both St. Paul's account and 1 Corinthians, but it's that way in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, in the Gospels. I believe it's also in John when he's blessing the uh, loaves of the five, for the 5,000 that uses. But I, I keep my brain a little fuzzy, and I'm not certain. I think, I think he does there, which is also a signal that, that to us, uh, from Gospel writers, you should read and understand Eucharistically here in this passage. But he does that with them, and it said, suddenly their eyes were opened. When he did that, took the bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they saw him, and he disappeared from their presence. They saw the risen Lord, and they hurried back to tell the others what they had seen. Now, now that's an extended time. And they said to one another, didn't our hearts burn within us while he spoke with us? walking along. You mean your hearts were burning and you didn't recognize it? Nope. Didn't recognize it. How's that going on? Well, the one thing we can say about these things is that A, Mary Magdalene is not so grief-stricken that she can look at the resurrected Jesus and mistake him for the gardener. Okay? And when I hear preacher explanations like that, I just think, nope, nope, nope. You, you don't understand the scriptures nor the power of God. There's a reason it tells us she doesn't recognize him until he speaks her name. Or the disciples on the road to Emmaus walking along with him. Hearts burning here in these scriptures. Someone who's just laying all of this out to them, but they don't see him until this Eucharistic moment. <coughs> Two of the things that occur to me. One is, in Mary's case, she doesn't see him until, if you will, by calling her by name, he makes it personal. One of the things I think about in the resurrected Lord is that whatever resurrected means, and it's a transcendent thing, it's, we don't have a category for that exactly, it's bigger than that, but whatever it means, uh, it is more than objective. Okay? I mean, it, Jesus is not resurrected and becoming an object. This is a problem with me and you when we see each other. We tend to objectify one another. I look and think, oh, what a good-looking little boy. You don't even know I'm talking about it. You're just sitting there like an object, you know. 
know, but, you know, and you didn't really know which one I meant, did you? Uh, they're both just good-looking little boys, and, you know, you could just, uh, just objectify them. And we objectify people all the time. That we see them, you see somebody, so you catch them from behind and look, and you have thoughts that categorize them and will not go into those thoughts that you might see and categorize them. You might think, oh, those are last year's clothes, or something much, much worse than that, that you'll think, you know, and stuff that we, we objectify one another. And the truth is, we don't see each other. Even in conversations with others, when you think we were being personal, very often in conversations we're speaking past each other. You know, I appreciate your ears. It gives me an opportunity to hear myself. <laughs> Friends, Roman and countrymen, lend me your ears as if he needed them. You know, no, no, no. See, but what happens with Jesus is he says to her, Mary. He doesn't say to her, woman. He doesn't say, hey, you. You know, he says, Mary. And in that, her eyes are opened, and she sees him for who he is. So, resurrection requires that the encounter be personal. Secondly, we see this in the, road to, the story of the road to Emmaus. Uh, they're hearing all of this, you know, and in a sense, it's, it's not just in hearing all the scripture, not just in hearing, you know, the commentary going on uh, that can make your heart burn but your eyes are open Eucharistic what happens in the Eucharist take we bless we break and we give this this blessing is this giving of thanks this is this this relationship we have in Eucharist now it's quite possible for us on Sundays as we gather and the Eucharist is being celebrated that we objectify that too you know, and, and uh, that you're, you know, you watch the service, you listen to the choir, you're somewhere else. It's, it's all could be somewhere else. Uh, your, our minds, my mind wanders all the time. It's wandering right now, um, but I'm doing my best. Uh, but you know, we we can objectify the service. You ever kind of watch Blackberry during pandemic times, and we were all, you know. Uh, kind of channel shopping, looking for liturgies on Sundays when we couldn't get here during that deep 2020 time. And uh, you know, any of y'all kind of uh, surf churches? Someone told me it was, a, it was the thing they liked about the experience is they're able to attend so many churches. Uh, you know, and I think that's great. If you use the time zone, you could have seen four or five on a Sunday. But, uh, you know, and, and critique them, uh, those sorts of things. When I came into Orthodoxy, we didn't have YouTube how long ago it was. <laughs> so I had no idea how much I was doing wrong and no to look at to show me. Thank God. But anyway, this we, we can objectify almost anything, but the Eucharist calls for us, uh, calls us out of our objectivity. And I mean that in the sense that uh, not that there's anything wrong with being objective about certain things. It'll tell you some stuff, but it will never tell you enough. Objective knowledge is useful knowledge. Now, I suppose you can build a ship with it or, or something else, you know, uh, all the way that, that we can manipulate objective knowledge in our modern science and technology. Um, but you won't see the risen Lord with it. Not because he's less 
than objective, but because he's more than objective. He is not an object. He is the risen Lord. And it's not just seeing the risen Lord. The revelation of the resurrected Jesus is also a revelation of, of who you and I are going to be. And probably it's even right to say it's a revelation of who we really already are that we don't yet see, that we don't yet see, that our life is hid with Christ in God, as Paul says in Colossians 3. But if it's hid with Christ in God, doesn't mean it ain't here. It is here, and we can encounter that. How do we see that? Well, first off, by treating each other truly personally. I don't mean this just in the kind of cultural intimacy that we mean when we say personal, but me recognizing you as person, truly person, created in the image and likeness of God. C.S. Lewis once said, if you could actually see a saint, a living saint, kind of brought down from heaven to here, and you saw them in their glory, your instinct would be to fall down and worship. You can see hints of that uh, with the angels in, in uh, St. John's Revelation. His instinct is to do that. Um, you know, I, I have... You know, I have these conversations with Protestant friends who will say about what, how we treat Mary. They say, you worship her like she was a god. And I'm thinking, no, no. A, you ain't seen nothing until you've seen us worship God. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's a mighty thing. Uh, we don't ever offer sacrifices to her. We offer sacrifice to God alone in the Eucharist. Nonetheless, nonetheless, if you knew her, if you knew her, as God makes her known, you wouldn't speak about her the way you do. You would speak in hushed tones and deep reverence and say, they love us. The one who gave birth to God, you would maybe put your hand to your mouth because you wouldn't have words for it. We would have to have something like that in, in regard to one another at some point and some time. You know, I have had the privilege in my ministry over the years to stand many, many times uh, by the bedside of those dying. Did, for two of my years, I was a hospice chaplain, and so we saw about three deaths a week during that time. Um, and I always uh, treated that and, and struggled to treat it as uh, not a time to objectify a patient. They're not a patient. Um, but to realize that I was standing at the union of earth and heaven, that this was the gate of heaven as they took their last breaths here um, to begin their journey there and to treat it as holy ground, holy ground. And it was privileged to see uh, some marvelous deaths by Christians, uh, deaths that I can only hope to emulate, but it's my turn. But this is how we... You know, to see one another, um, and then uh, Eucharistically uh, to be to give thanks, to understand that everything given to us in the people around us and the things around us are given to us for the purpose of Eucharist before God. That we take them, we bless them, we break them, we give them, and we give God thanks for all things, always, and at all times. This is the life of the resurrection, uh, and in it, Christ makes himself known to us and and we see him so anyway
You know, it's possible to think to yourself something like, gee, I wish I had been among the twelve. I would love to have seen the risen Lord. And I suspect that is a sound of our hearts being objective about it. You were appointed for this time, this place, this life, at this moment in history. You and I, this is our time. And the resurrected Lord that we encounter in this time and whom we preach uh, when we proclaim him and his resurrection is the Lord we are meant to see. If we're not seeing him now, probably focus too much on the gardener uh, or just getting caught up in your heartburn. Uh, instead, turn our eyes upon Jesus, hear him call your name, maybe lift you out of your own objectivity and lift us up to the heights of heaven as we join in Eucharistic thanksgiving before him. Christ is risen. Indeed he is risen. Christ is risen. Indeed he is risen. Christ is risen. Indeed he is risen. Thank you.